welcome back to another chilly edition of the broadcast podcast. What is the current temperature outside? I think it's zero. It's it's 16, but feels like zero, which I'm like, if it feels like zero, then isn't it just really zero? I I saw something on, uh, it was on NPR. They said that New Hampshire last night was a hundred below. Yes, atop Mount Washington, which is like the big. A hundred? Bl- how is that even a thing? Hey, I grew up in New England. I'm kind of like, yeah, and <laughs> you're way tougher than me. I'm way too Mediterranean for this. I'm like, it's drop below sixty. I cannot deal. <laughs> Someone cover me. <laughs> but braving the cold weather, we yeah. still managed to secure some amazing we guests. Did we got really lucky? But before we get into our guests, I want to just give a little yes. plug to our. We have our first oh, patron on Patreon. Amazing! I am so excited. Her name's Jamie Earl. She bought the shout out. So here's a shout out to Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. For contributing to the show. And we appreciate your support. If you would like to join Jamie and be a Patreon of our show, you can go to uh, Patreon slash Broadcast PGH. It's our brand new Patreon page. We appreciate your support in any way you're able to give it. You can find us obviously on social media, on obviously. Twitter at Broadcast PGH, <laughs> on Facebook at the Broadcast underscore PGH. And Instagram at the broadcast underscore PGH. Get that PGH in there. We're representing Pittsburgh pretty That's good. it, girl. Uh, Always. We- Definitely. Our website is broadcast-podcast.com. Um, if you'd like to sponsor the show, talk to us about any arrangements, we are open to suggestion. Our email right now is broadcastpgh at gmail.com. And thanks always to the team at Sorgatron Media who keeps us sounding like we know what we're doing. <laughs> Just, you know, really <laughs> don't understate how important that is. Seriously. So, so today we have Rebecca Lucor. She is head of sustainability and corporate social responsibility at Covestro. Like you can tell by how long her title it's is. Important. It's important. It's super important. It's super important. Yeah, super important. <laughs> and we're going to talk about sustainability. We're going to talk about STEM. We're going to talk about all this awesome stuff that is near and dear to us. But welcome and thank you so thank much you. for coming on. Thanks for having Freezing me. cold Saturday. So how did you even get into this job? I mean, first of all, you have to explain what it is that you do on a daily basis, but then how did it start? It started accidentally, actually. Always great things do, Always a great thing, (laughs) the unknown. I didn't even know it was a job. I uh, I was a communications major, and I I, I found myself... um, uh, doing stuff like you probably do, preparing things um, so to speak in public, uh, press releases. And then one day um, I worked at a company called Miles, which goes way back from, from Bayer. And um, they started an education, a STEM program. And they said, we need someone to help support us on the program side of that. And um, a few months later, I found myself um, dealing with things called philanthropy and learning about um, education policy. And it was great. And I, I love it ever since I've, I've been doing that. Wow. And yeah. so what exactly do you do at Covestro now? So at Covestro, I, I look at North and South America, um, primarily North America and, and Mexico. And um, I, I look at everything from our philanthropy and our giving. So our monetary giving, and we do a lot of human capital giving now. Uh, we have a lot of great employees who want to be engaged in the community. So we give a lot of their time and technical expertise, not just money. And um, also on the sustainability side, looking how we can th- make things uh, more energy efficient, be in the sa- uh, correct forms, and um, real important now, aligning the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, which are really important. And Covestra has signed on to support those globally by the year 2030. 
Yeah, let's talk a little wow. bit about what those are. What are the UN Sustainable Development Goals? They are 17 really lofty global goals. Um, aim high, th- right? They really are eradicating poverty and hunger and inequalities and um, finding um, better means for life on land and life under the sea and everything and anything you can think of from, from education to um, living organisms and um, plastic wastes and in oceans and everything in between. And um, we're a global company. We have signed on with a lot of other global companies and countries and governments uh, to help eradicate all of those things and improve in all of those areas by the year 2030. So less than 5,000 days left to meet those lofty goals. To You're going to eradicate poverty in 5,000 yeah, days. Yeah. Make I it happen. Yeah. I like do it. You, do you ever find when you're working on things that have this sort of global implication, do you ever find there's sort of cultural um, disconnects in terms of, I know that obviously, you know, your company is in Europe, your company's all over the world. So do you ever find that you have to sort of negotiate like cultural differences or not even misunderstandings, but just like, how you communicate these kinds of goals or how you, you work with people in these spaces or different like quasi-government agencies. What are the sort of the challenges of that in terms of, you know, working outside the United States and working within the United States? It's very different. Very, very different. So in my role, I'm responsible um, for the U.S. and, and for Mexico area. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the U.S., for example, uh, how we look at those goals, uh, our, we hosted a forum last year at the end of the year, Covestro, called Think 30. Yeah. We can talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, but the whole idea was uh, people get intimidated by these big, global, lofty goals and think, you know, what does that have to do with Pittsburgh? Or what does that have to do with me as an individual? Yeah. Where do I start? Yeah, do I where do involved? I start? Yeah. So it was about taking these global goals local. It was to show um, the city um, what we can do to make a difference towards those goals. And um, it was to show individuals um, to look for what your passions are and your sense of purpose and to channel that purpose and how you can make a difference towards those goals as an individual as well. So how would you? as an individual living in Pittsburgh, be able to contribute to these to these global ideas? So Pittsburgh is such a great city. I, I mean, it's an amazing Don't city. Don't we know it? I didn't grow up here. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm one of the abnormal people that came to college here and stayed here, fell in love uh-huh. with it. Um, this is my home now. Um, you know, we've gone through all these renaissances. We have great innovators here, um, startups here, uh, nonprofits, more than 6,000 in this region doing yeah. some really great work. Um, we're all about the UN Sustainable Goals before they even existed, I mm. think. Um, now it's just about looking at what we're doing and how we can uh, scale up things, increase capacity for organizations, and and just work together. So, uh, for example, we had a lot of, um, and I know you've had a for a guest, I think, on your show, 402 Food Rescue. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we they were them. very involved with Think 30. And um, it's about programs like that, but it's also about programs. Uh, we had a single uh, woman who who started a nonprofit organization in the outskirts of um, Somerset, and she is now feeding meals and reaching and providing shelter to homeless people in that area. She went from 10 people to 300 in less than a year. So, you know, just to show how individuals who have a passion around something, how they can take that passion and really make a difference. Do you see women leading in this way? Or, you know, a lot of people throw around that term the idea that the future is female, right? Because we have technology in place and industry in place where it really puts women, because we're such natural communicators, sort of mm-hmm. at the forefront of this movement. Do you see women stepping up to the plate more than you thought, or is it not surprising to you? It's not surprising to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at the nonprofit sector, and especially in this region, um, and you look at the male-female ratios, I mean, it's, it's definitely skewed higher 
um, females. And um, it, it doesn't surprise me at all. And I, I think because whether you're a woman who uh, is in the workplace or your mother um, with the role of working at home, mm-hmm. which I can say is also a really big, important job and yeah. busy job. Um, you're 24 hour job, 24, yeah. yeah. Thankless job. It's no a vacation job that doesn't days. go away. Yeah. Job that keeps on giving. No days off. <laughs> giving yeah. more work to do. <laughs> exactly. Um, you're, you're in a role no matter which way that you have to meet people's needs. And that's what this is all about. And so let's talk a little bit about the Think 30 Summit. We were really excited. We weren't sure to, what to expect. It was it was a vision of ours to bring together a diverse group of people, unlike not not the, the people you always see at Pittsburgh events. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Um, of course, we had a lot of great leaders from the region, but the idea was to get also equal amounts of people, again, that um, where you may not have heard of them or their organization, but they're doing incredibly impactful work in the region. We had 300 people in attendance. Uh, we had individual citizens, we had uh, people from academia, we had educators, we had the corporate community, the nonprofit, and we had government. It was it was wow. wonderful. Um, people came. It was a really long day. We packed them in from early morning um, until a reception that went till seven at night. And I have to say at seven o'clock, we had that ask people to leave the convention center. That's a nice... A lot of great conversations, a mm-hmm. lot of uh, great local leaders, but also we brought in some great um, national speakers as well to bring a, a new perspective, outside perspective. And so what was the kind of takeaway from this? From this, Was this something you're going to try and do annually or was um, it kind of a let's get this People are asking rolling? us to now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're definitely going to keep the momentum. Um, now's the hard part. Uh, I think putting it together and it went off great. Um, was the easy part, but how do you how do you like it's top that now? How do you, it's always the tra- exactly. The right? How do you keep the momentum going? Um, but we intend to, yeah. Um, and I think we'll be able to because of all the great organizations and people in the city here. Yeah. What were some of the hot topics that you were hearing about buzzing around the space? We talked a lot about food insecurity. We talked a lot about education. Um, we talked specifically about um, how great Pittsburgh is. You know, we're, we're on our next renaissance now and how we're making great strides. But we also, you know, while we pat ourselves on the back, we also talked about recognizing it's not great for everybody yet, right. that there's yeah. people being left behind in this greatness and in this movement. And how do we in- be more inclusive and get everybody, you know, to, to prosper from that? So that was, uh, that was a big topic. We had a wonderful... Uh, speaker come in, Aaron Hurst from Imperative. He used to work with Taproot Foundation Globally, and he kind of started this whole purpose economy initiative. And the theme of the day was purpose. Find your purpose, and how do you harness that uh, to do great things? So we talked a lot about um, as individuals, and, and we see that at Covestra. You know, when we carved out from Bayer Material Science, we are bar- part of this huge global conglomerate. Um, with a lot of different business areas, we had a huge foundation, and we became this standalone smaller company, no foundation, um, but a, a huge amount of employees that have passion. And, and, and people were calling me after we found out we were carving out, saying, "Are we still going to be in the community? Are we still going to do this? Yeah. Are we?" And that's yeah, so are we important. Be now? Yeah. So that's when like the light bulb went on. It was like, "Wow, we might not have these big dollars and this big foundation like we did before, but..." we have these, these people full of passion and purpose and, um, let's harness that and let's, uh, give back to the community. And, um, and that's what we do. So let's talk a little bit about that idea of a purpose driven economy or purpose led economy. You know, that's, 
that could mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. What's kind of your, if you were going to explain it to someone, how do you describe what a purpose-driven economy it's, would It's really looking at um, things that are, you know, greater than yourself and greater for um, a business, whether it's a nonprofit, a small startup or a large corporation, um, not just, you know, something out there greater than yourself or mm-hmm. your your organization. Um, Aaron Hurst, when he when he visited us, he was giving some really good examples. He works with companies all over the, the world. Mm-hmm. Um, on this purpose work. And he would say, you know, uh, when you talk to elected officials and stuff, just think about what the how you vote and the people you surround yourself with. Would you want your son or daughter to sit and have a dinner discussion with that person? Or if you're yeah. um, the president of a company and you have a certain product, is it a product that you want your kids to use or yeah. or consume? You know, think about those things. Yeah, um, so you're so proud just of the work that you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think Leia Lazaron is a good example, right? Exactly. Of, yeah. of someone who thought figured out there was this problem and how can we do something about it and really just sort of took yeah. initiative and rolled with it, right? So Yeah. Well, I think also looking at it from a for-profit sector too, I think we have this idea that you can't do both, that you can't care about a larger conversation or, yeah. or a topic that needs addressing and still make money. And I yeah. think the, the millennial generation is really showing that you can Absolutely. do both. You can incorporate philanthropic ideas into your model, into yeah. your structure yeah. from the get-go. So you're automatically giving back to, to something bigger than yourself while still exactly. you know, having enough to take care of yourself. And right. you can't survive as a global company without doing that. I mean, right. people demand, right. you know, when we, when we do recruiting and we go to these, these fairs, uh, the students today, the millennials coming out, out of, right out of school, they care more about this stuff than salary. They ask more yeah. about what will be opportunities. Will I have volunteer time, pay yeah. time off. We right. actually went to, we provide our employees now two paid days off. So you have 16 hours to use wow. how you want. Does not have to be a Cavestro driven volunteer activity. If your passion's animals and you want to go to animal friends and, right. and do something, you can do that, but you get paid time off. Um, they ask more about that than the salary. They really care and they drive that. But what we found and was eye-opening for me when you talk about um, diversity and, and inclusion too is um, don't have assumptions because yeah. we, we started a program with Robert Morris University um, for their Center for Nonprofit Management mm-hmm. and it's called Skills-Based Volunteerism. Yeah. So this is when we're, we're taking teams of our employees. They go work with a nonprofit for three to four months um, and they help them with a challenge or, or something. So for example, um, if it's an HR initiative or a business plan or they need they need help with their um, their warehousing and supply chain initiatives. Things that usually they don't have in house expertise or can't afford the consulting. Right. Um, we do we do that with them as well, and um, it's leadership development for our employees. Um, they're le- they're learning to deal with ambiguity. Sometimes you can't get that on the job, so we really like yeah. it. Yeah. Why so do you think this is important for companies to to think about and build into their model when they're looking for employees? It's because employee, we just live in a world now where everything is, is 24 seven, you know, we're, we're connected to technology. People work around the clock, but people need, um, people need flexibility too. People need to be able to, you know, to leave at a certain time because they have to take care of something with their family. But, you know, because we're, we are a global company, 11 o'clock at night, you might be in a conference call with another part of the world, et cetera. So everything's jumbled together. You know, it's, it's, not just Monday through Friday, eight to five anymore. And so it's important, um, research shows too, it's important to not just the people find purpose through the work they're doing Mm -hmm. 
on the job, like fitting in somewhere. Um, like the work that I do, this is my passion. So, right. you know, it's, yeah. it's a good fit for me. But uh, research shows and employees will tell us that's not even enough. People have passions um, outside of their job too that, yeah. that overlap with time and they want time to be able to dedicate to that as well. So it's the sense of balance. Yes. You know, I, I had read a study that they said after six hours of work, you're actually not productive. So the idea of like the eight hour workday is sort yeah. of becoming mm-hmm. something that they're realizing isn't useful or, or money well spent or time well spent. Yeah. And it kind of makes sense what you're saying to give people then not only flexibility, but paid time off to then go and do something mm-hmm. that they feel passionate about so they can re-energize exactly. and find that sense of self, right? That exists outside their jobs. So and then they can come back to the job and be more productive. And yeah. I think that's sort of where I see anyway, the millennial you know, as we become the new leaders and moving into more po- positions of power, understanding that and bringing those ideas with us that, you know, it, like you said, you have to have the sense of flexibility where you could leave to go mm-hmm. get your kids yes. at daycare or at school and then be able to hop back on mm-hmm. at six o'clock to finish up the right. day's work and that be part of your culture, exactly. but in a good way yeah, yeah. where it's acceptable and it's fine and right. you're not going to get in trouble for that, yeah. quote unquote. And that flexibility is really the wave of the future. Yeah. Exactly. You really nailed that because that's a big thing. It's, the company can have a policy on paper, but if you're the only one using it in your office or you're the, you know, everyone's saying, oh, she's leaving to pick up her kids again. Right. But you know, that yeah. you, you have to sustain that. You have to reinforce that as a company, you know, from the top down that, you know, this is the policy. We want people to use it. And here's, you know, and we don't just, we're not just being nice. We want you to use it because it's good for the company it's good as well. For the business. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, we spend all this time and we are here too about the millennials driving all this. What we're also finding is for our company and for, for Pittsburgh in general, the, the big thing everyone's talking about now is we're getting ready over the next five years to see a gigantic wave of retirement. So baby oh, boomers yeah. mm-hmm. retiring and jobs to fill. But these baby boomers, they want to stay involved. And especially yeah. we see it at our company as we see people rolling into retirement. They're proud of the work we're doing and the culture that we have and the engagement in the community. They want to stay engaged on behalf of Covestro when they mm. retire. So we're looking That's at nice. how we can harness that as well. So it's great. You kind of have that on one end. You have all the millennials coming in. Yeah. And um, um, I see good things in the future. Well, I think, yeah, there's there's always a sense of antagonism between generations, you know. But I think, to, to your point, it could be really interesting to form some kind of a mentorship program, you know, based at Covestro where you have all of this talent and energy and expertise and wisdom of this older generation mm-hmm. then being able to give back to the people that have new ideas and new energy but maybe still need a little bit of guidance just learning how it all works yeah. in the real world exactly. too you know yeah. and we've we we do a lot of that and it's funny we call it two-way mentoring because oh, millennials cool. also mentor up as well sure um, because they, yeah. they, they bring a whole new technology <laughs> yeah technology a whole new <laughs> a perspective and it's like what explain that to me please so that's two-way awesome. mentoring is great. Yeah. Two-way mentoring. I don't yeah. think I've really heard that before. I like that concept yeah. a lot. Yeah. That's, I mean, fundamental to making yeah. everyone in the But I mean, you don't see that age. in a lot of companies. No, not formally. You really don't. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. If you're it's lucky, a... you can find someone in your company that you can yeah. pair up with in that respect. But well, I think yeah. a lot of millennials especially are kind of turned off by the idea of, hey, listen to the old person tell you how things are. It's much more, you know, they're bringing something to the table that has value as well. And, exactly. and companies that recognize that have good and you they know, learn quicker. Culture. I yes, mean, yeah. they, I'm I'm sorry, but when you're when you're born, and by the age of one, you're holding an iPhone, you know, and your parents yeah. lap, and you yeah. actually know how to use it. <laughs> right. Um. I I think my my kids look at me, and they I you know they think I'm this old woman. 
<laughs> because, and I'm not because um, they can't they can't deal with the concept that I didn't grow up and have internet. I was right. I was almost right. all the way through college before I had you know full access to that. I mean, they have the world at their fingertips when yeah. they're born. So um, naturally, they do learn quicker. They're a generation they know more yeah. and they learn quicker because they are born with instant access that yeah. we didn't have. They're it took us natives, yeah. years to learn. Yeah, yeah. I always think that it's it's interesting talking about you had touched on education earlier and how you know, we really have to rethink how we even educate the generation coming up behind even millennials, right? Mm -hmm. the, I think they're calling them generation I, generation, the I generation they're calling them. Mm -hmm. And because they never lived in a world without internet, yeah. because you don't need to know your state capitals anymore. Mm -hmm. Think about it. You can just look, what's the capital of, you know, Kentucky? Yeah, you, just, you just look it up. <laughs> yeah. But the question now is how do we teach critical thinking skills? Because oh, wow. yeah. there is so many more complicated issues now that exist that you don't need to just memorize information. You need to harness the information yes, and yes. think critically, right. which has never really been a part of truly formal education until you got to upper right. upper education. And even then in college, I remember I really learned about critical thinking in my philosophy classes, yeah. how to think. So how do we engage young minds in a way that is very different from the way that all of us were taught. Yeah. And I think that's going to be the new challenge. Well, and something you're touching on something that a lot of people in Silicon Valley are very worried about, right? That, right. that you can create this great thing, this great mm -hmm. app or this great piece of software, but what are the potential downsides there? What if someone got a hold of it who had nefarious purposes? And I think if you can't think critically, you can't think, think through that's all called the Twitter. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Right. Exactly. So how do you, how do you defend your great idea that maybe, you know, if, if it, use the way you're envisioning it is good, but you have to also sort of be able to think about how do you use technology? How could someone use this for a purpose that would be, you know, could be, well, how could this be harmful or how could right. this be, or how could this, you know, grow and, and evolve? Like, I think those are part of critical thinking skills that are so important when you're developing, you're talking about digital natives who maybe don't have those, haven't had that experience with, you know, not everyone's going <laughs> to use your technology for good. You know, yeah, sometimes exactly. you have to think about. That's, that's like an absolutely perfect segue to that is one of the reasons, um, you know, we've been a big supporters for years of, of STEM education, mm -hmm. science, technology, engineering, math. Um, everybody assumes it's because, and, and one of the biggest reasons, you know, we are an innovation science-based company. It's about our future workforce. It's about getting more women and other underrepresented groups yep, into those fields, et cetera. But one of the other huge reasons is because when you learn science the correct way, um, hands-on, inquiry-based, you get the creativity and the critical thinking skills you're talking about. Yeah. That's that's what you develop. Yeah. And we always say that we don't care if you... Um, you know, if you end up going into accounting or if you go into chemical engineering, we need both. But if you have a strong science background that gives you that critical thinking skills, that's what we want no matter what you do for us. And that is another reason we do this skills base. We take employees out of their comfort zone. You put them in a nonprofit, which that sector is is foreign to a lot of people. They go through training, yeah. so they, they, they know about the sector. Um, but they're, what do they do? They're working in teams, they're thinking critically, and, and, yeah. and they're trying to figure out these problems yeah. for them. So same thing. Yeah. That's why I always really appreciate when the, the STEM also includes arts as well, because you know with arts, you get that flexibility mm -hmm. of your thinking, and you mm -hmm. get creativity and the ability to think outside the box, which lends itself perfectly to critical thinking yeah. skills yeah, as well. Right. And writing yeah. skills, too, because if you can't express your Exactly. You know, great idea in, a, in an articulate way. That's a that's a challenge too. It I is, think, for a lot and we of... see that all the time with with you know with people with normally high technical skills of just brilliant. But you have to be able to take that technical, you know, jargon and and, and information yep. and, and 
present it to someone like me that, you know, isn't a real, you know, science technical person. So yeah. where do you see the future of Covestro going? Wow. Um, we, we are an innovation company. Uh-huh. I will say that, um, you know, our kind of motto is we're curious, we're courageous. Um, I, I really think we are globally, we're, we're pushing the, the envelope on innovation and sustainability. I mean, we, we found a process where, and we just keep pushing, we're taking, um, you know, we're, we're a chemical company. Sometimes people say, you know, what is a chemical company involved with in sustainability and making things better, but our, our, we go, our, materials and processes and technologies go into making your car lighter and your building and your homes more efficient. And, mm-hmm. and, um, we just came up with a, the process where we're taking, um, you know, petroleum is a feedstock that goes into a lot of our things where we're actually yeah. harnessing the CO2. So it's not admitted in the atmosphere and wow. we're replacing part of petroleum with CO2 as a new feedstock. Mm-hmm. And so it's really interesting. We're doing a lot of innovative things. And so we'll continue that. I, I know on the social side, um, especially here in the U.S., as long as I'm there, um, <laughs> I'm going to keep, you know, pushing for, um, you know, the, this purpose work and harnessing, um, you know, the enthusiasm of our employees and, and challenge of, um, people to think different. And we'll see where Think 30 goes and, yeah. and what we'll do next. So do you have any resolutions for 2018, either personally or professionally? Um, well, I, I do. Professionally, um, I, I want, I'm really focused on, um, for the Pittsburgh region, Think 30, and how we can keep these great conversations that we had and this great work and how we can harness it and keep it going and build on it. And, and tell us, again, Think 30 is an acronym. Like, tell us what G- it is. Um, it's, it stands for um, um, transforming, harnessing, um, innovating, navigating, and collaborating. All for a sustainable future. She got it though. She got it. And then all for a sustainable future by 2030. And again, that's when the UN goals uh, right. expire. Or maybe that's for step one and yeah. they keep going because um, they're pretty lofty goals. Yeah. Pretty What's lofty. your personal goal for 2018? Oh, um, I want to continue to strive for balance. That's... <laughs> girl story of everyone's <laughs> life True um, yeah yeah I, I, I love my my work and my my job and I mean I get to work with incredible people I'll be next week in New York with some people at the UN talking That's about exciting. Think 30 they kind of caught on to it and and seeing maybe if they want to take it in some direction so awesome. um, but I have three boys too that play every sport under <laughs> the moon and keep me very busy and so it's just um you know, it's. I want to continue to to find that that balance for me. Well, when you find it, will you give me a call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we we feel that 2018 is going to not be just a great year for you professionally, but it sounds like personally too. And yeah. thank you so much for being yeah. a part Thanks of for the broadcast. Me. Yeah, this was great. Thanks yeah. for having on so much. Yeah, <laughs> nice way to come out on a chilly day. Amen. show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.